the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. It's time to review this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories of the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each of the days, starting off with last Thursday. This from Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic and Amway Center named finalists in Sports Business Journal's Best in Sports Awards. Bob? Uh, yeah, this is for the best venue uh, of major, not major league, or just major sports in, in the United States. And it's not a really big surprise here considering uh, last year, I believe it was, they hosted the NBA All-Star Game. Uh, it is one of the newest venues uh, in, in the NBA in general. So, And from everything I've heard from people through the media and everything, that it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous venue. So not really that, that big of a surprise. Yeah, I think that this is um, making it to the top of our headlines because Orlando Magic fans had a lot of high hopes heading into the season. They thought there was going to be possibly an MVP heading their way, maybe a Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the playoffs. But since things aren't looking too positive in either one of those directions, they started sharing the story about getting nominated for Business Journal Awards, hoping to, uh, I guess, increase the buzz around the team. Yeah. Hey, how can you lose when you're that close to Mickey Mouse? Also on Thursday, 2011 NCAA Men's Tournament. Kyrie Irving of Duke Blue Devils will play against Hampton. Matt. Yeah, I was actually a little bit surprised initially that they were going to have him out there because Duke has played pretty well for a majority of this season without Kyrie Irving, and it seemed kind of a little counterintuitive to insert him into the lineup at the most important time of the season and risk potential chemistry problems and, uh, you know, uh, risk potential further injury to Irving, who missed most of the season. But so far, it seems to work out pretty well. He's only been averaging about 20 minutes and about 12.5 points per game, so getting his toes dipped in the water a little bit but not messing with the team chemistry too much yeah definitely if duke was at a point where they were a lower seed they probably wouldn't have pushed it or, or maybe pushed it even more i guess depending on which way you're looking at it the fact that they're playing a, a number 15 number 16 hampton to begin with uh you know it really wasn't an issue it's just the fact was he healthy enough to come back uh both him and mike uh, shashevsky sat down talked about it and he's out there playing right now. Uh, the only thing for him that this is probably solidifying his draft stock, possibly, uh, depending on how the rest of it plays out. On Friday, Seattle Mariners' Ichiro Suzuki donates 100 million yen to Japanese earthquake relief efforts. Bob? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go uh, say, again, no, not a big surprise here. Uh, when you think of Ichiro, you, you think of a classic Japanese uh, gentleman this is something that he's he's sort of brought the culture to an awareness point over here in America, being in uh, the America's game, and and this is just one one of those things that you don't need to do, but yet you have to. So good for him. Yeah, and uh, furthermore, the the Mariners organization as a whole, which you know, a majority of the stock in the team is owned by Nintendo of America, who of course their parent company, Nintendo of Japan. Um, obviously a big uh, a big entity over in Japan. Uh, luckily, Ichiro's family uh, was not really close to the tsunami damage in the the coastal areas, so they were they were safe from all that. But ultimately, when your country is going through the type of turmoil that Japan is right now, uh, it's it's a sense of of social obligation that I think that uh, Ichiro feels here, and and uh, hopefully a lot of other big name athletes uh, will follow suit. 
Also on Friday, NFL Players Association talks ended as a result of salary proposal. Matt? Let me just say this past week, the NFL talks have been pretty much disgusting. It's been uh, horribly inefficient and ridiculous amounts of posturing. Uh, First, the NFL sent a letter outlining their final proposal before talk broke down. Then the NFLPA sent a letter a full week later, I might add, calling the original letter lies. Um, The NFL responded, of course, with another letter. So uh, this is definitely not the most efficient way to go about resolving a situation that, uh, as we will later discuss, is going to have a profound impact in markets you wouldn't even imagine. I think these guys need to get back in their chairs and get uh, give their writing hands a break for a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you said it right. It's just posturing back and forth uh, until these guys actually sit down and, and realize that they are going to have to compromise on especially the big ticket, which is the player salaries, find some sort of middle ground. I, I honestly can't take most of this stuff seriously until they do it. You know, it, it's just going to be back and forth. Reminds me of the second grade on the bus when you're sending letters back and forth when you're like two seats away and you just talk about it. Right. Well, the important thing is that at some point in time, these guys have to realize that neither one of them are going to win in the court of public opinion. So they just need to get on the, get on the horn and, and make things happen. On Saturday, Texas Longhorns' Tristan Thompson... I'm coming back another year, Bob. Uh, if you've actually gotten the opportunity to sit down and watch the Longhorns in, in the tournament, uh, you can kind of tell that Tristan Thomas, hey, look, he's a freshman, he's really raw, uh, can definitely benefit from being a, a, in another year in the uh, actual NCAA poops world. But I, I, I don't know. I, I guess it just a, they, they did end up losing to Arizona. Uh, this guy's probably a late lottery pick, you know, first round pick this year in a weak draft. How much can he improve his stock coming back next year when it's supposedly an even better, deeper draft? So I, you're going to hear this uh, through uh, throughout the uh, process until everyone finally declares for the draft about how who's staying, who's going, how they possibly could be passing up a top 10 pick this year when yeah you might have an nba lockout but can you really turn down being a top 10 pick well i think um i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that the longhorns at times this year looked like they were the best team in the entire country and with tristan thompson coming back and rumor is that jordan hamilton is going to be coming back next season as well um i i suspect that these guys have a certain amount of quote-unquote unfinished business that they're looking to take care of um but uh yeah i'm with you let's let's not really kid ourselves there's there's a strong chance that neither one of these guys would be coming back if they felt like they could play in the nba next year and i think it's a strong statement uh about uh this draft class that's coming up as a whole, because if guys like these are willing to stay behind when they stand to gain a lot by coming out this year, as opposed to wait until next year, then uh, we may be looking at a pretty diluted and watered down draft. Don't look now. Rose's momentum pushing him towards MVP and possibly history. Matt. Yeah, Derrick Rose this year has really pushed himself into the conversation uh, as the best point guard in the league. Um, not saying he is, just saying he's in the conversation. And he has his team sitting in what most people preseason would have thought was a pretty unlikely spot, a top 
the Eastern Conference, better records than Boston, better record than Miami, better than Orlando. Um, I think when the Bulls picked up Carlos Boozer in the offseason this past year, a lot of people thought he was more of a consolation prize. But I think ultimately for Rose, at least individually, um, it worked out a lot better than one of the superstars would have because it allows Rose to really establish himself as the alpha dog and the, the, the main contributor in the offense that this team runs while Boozer fits nicely in as a complimentary piece. I use Boozer as a complimentary piece myself. I'm surprised I'm not boozed up for the show right now. I thought you were. Oh, no, I'm just a little sleep-deprived. You're here too, right, Bob? Yeah, Bob's are sleep-deprived. I don't even make sense right now. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I, I know both me and Matt, we, we talked about how we predicted 4 or 5 seed maybe for the Bulls. Uh, it was Boston, Orlando... Miami being in this conversation and I, I you have to look at Derrick Rose as a whole this year we talked about Boozer uh, Noah also was hurt uh, Derrick Rose has not only done this with an entire full roster he's been doing this while people have been missing significant time and no other all-stars there I, I think this is the coolest uh, little fact if he does end up uh, winning the MVP he would actually be the, the first person uh, ever to not previously have uh, at least a fifth place vote the year before. And then also, uh, he would be the first NBA player who, uh, within the four-year four uh, time span of him graduating the NBA, because he's technically, if he stayed in school, he would be a senior in Memphis. So that's that's where the history comes in, and it's a very cool cool concept if he, if he does eventually uh, end up winning it. Taking that train of thought a little bit further, I wonder if he was still in school and he was a senior at Memphis, if John Calipari would be at Kentucky. I kind of doubt it. He would have probably still ran away. You think? Would, would he have been, been eligible? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. I, there were some issues there with was Calipari. That whole, yeah, there was the well, no, there was that whole uh, Derrick Rose didn't bother taking the SAT or whatever. Okay, so there were some issues. He would he would probably not be at Kentucky any or at Memphis anyways, and they still would have lost in the first round to Arizona. On Sunday, reports say Notre Dame Fighting Irish wide receiver Michael Floyd arrested on Dewey charge, and for the letter challenge, that's DUI. But I like calling it Dewey. Dewey. Bob. Uh, unfortunately for Michael Floyd, uh, this is not his first or second offense. Uh, this is his third offense uh, since 2009. I think uh, that officially makes you drunk dummy. Triple Dewey. Triple Dewey. Okay. Triple Dewey. All right. That I, it seems to work. Uh, Brian Kelly has said that he's suspended indefinitely until he uh, sees a behavioral change. So that means he might miss some spring practice, maybe the spring game, maybe some workouts in the in the the, the uh, summer. Come fall time, do you really see him not playing that? Well, I, I know this. I know that the Notre Dame student handbook explicitly states that any student with two offenses must be removed from the university for the next full semester, which summer semester does not qualify as. So according to the official Notre Dame handbook, Michael Floyd should not even be allowed on campus for the entire fall semester, which pretty much makes him ineligible for the football team. Um, we'll just have to see if they stick to that. I think, uh, I think we all know there's a long history of 
double standards, shall we say, being allowed for superstar athletes. Also Sunday, New Jersey Nets point guard Darren Williams out with a wrist to sit three games. Matt. Yeah, the New Jersey Nets are currently sitting eight games out of the final playoff spot in the East. There are only 13 games to go. If you kind of do the math, Deron Williams sitting out three games, they're not making the playoffs. If I'm the New Jersey Nets organization, I don't even think about bringing Deron Williams back. Or No, I said it wrong. Darren Williams back this season. I think you're more concerned with making sure that he is healthy because this is a risk that he's been playing with injured since about January 26th or so. So uh, I say you worry about getting him healthy and uh, make sure you've devoted all the time and attention to making sure that every single one of his needs is taken care of to the best of your ability because, after all, you still need him to sign on the dotted line. All of his needs? All of his needs. Apparently you're not familiar with Mikhail Prokhorov. All of his needs. Yeah, when they uh, initially pulled the trigger for this deal, it wasn't about this year. They never, you know, maybe a short-term goal they they thought they might have, but probably not gotten into the playoffs. Uh, Like Matt stated, save him for next year. You know, this is the point where you get the young guys in, see what else you can work with. And, and go from there. Monday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a front runner for hard knocks in 2011, sources say. Bob? Um, if you missed it last year, the hard knocks series was on HBO. Uh, they followed around the New York Jets. Uh, lovely little segment that they had uh, with the lovely Rex Ryan. It's Rex. The lovely Rex Ryan. The lovely Rex Ryan. The, the personable your children. <laughs> uh, yeah, not really personable. Just just the the big ego of Rex Ryan and, and the atmosphere of New York. I don't think you can really duplicate that. Um, yeah, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sort of a, a no name team this year with um, Freeman as their quarterback. Uh, Mike Williams, Legarrette Blunt, uh, a who's who's of uh, young guys leading this team. So it'd be kind of cool to see that. Uh, out of the list, I, I, I would like to see Oakland because that would probably give us a little bit more time to see Al Davis. But other than that, are they really going to do it if the lockout continues? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a knock, a hard knocks next season. And even if it is, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, have, I'm fighting yawns when I'm thinking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being the team that uh, that gets the nod for the, the season next year. I mean, if you look around the league, you look at the teams that have had this show in the past. You've had the uh, Dallas Cowboys, who at the time, I believe, had Ter- Terrell Owens when they were on the show. Um, we had the Cincinnati Bengals with Chad Ochocinco. We had Rex Ryan and the New York Jets. It's always been a very, very flamboyant or entertaining team that's been featured on Hard Knocks, and I think uh, I think in this case, you'd probably be better suited if we were to see a team like the you know, San Diego Chargers or another team that's just really got a lot of strong personalities on the squad. Uh, definitely makes for better uh, television, but uh, hey, I guess if they think that Raheem Morris is the way they're going to get ratings, then I guess they make the big bucks for a reason. Just not sure that's it. Yes, and I'm going to actually piggyback the big ratings. We're talking about Florida. What what team has Florida gotten behind? It's just pro sports-wise. You do have Tampa Bay who didn't sell out all their games. That depends on which week you're talking about. Okay, that is true. 
but the only ones it seems they get after is uh, possibly a national championship, Florida or Miami team. But when they're down, they're you know hit or miss, like like you said. Also Monday, sources say Bruce Pearl fired his Tennessee Volunteers coach. Yes, Bruce Pearl has been in full-on fumble mode for about the last six months or so. Back in September, um, Pearl was presented with charges that he had hosted a recruit in his home for a barbecue, and then, of course, he lied to NCAA investigators about that, even though they had in their hot little hands pictures of the event as it was a hap- as it was happening. There was uh, an- another story broken about 96 impermissible telephone calls made to recruits by Pearl and his staff. There was... An incident uh, more recently with a with a bump that uh, where he had ran into a player at a uh, I believe it was an AAU event uh, illegal contact with a player and then back in March in a game against Kentucky Pearl was caught giving excess tickets supposedly to players so that they could have friends comrades recruits. <clears throat> Um, attend the game. So I think when you combine all of those things together with a 30-point loss to Michigan in a first round against a team that you were only one seed different, actually you were one seed higher um, in the rankings, that that that, uh, that spells demise. I don't care who you are. Yeah, <laughs> one, one little uh, incident here and there, you usually don't have a problem. You, you sit your games. Uh, you, you you take the punishment, but the fact that Bruce Pearl never really kept his head above the water and didn't really care about that this year, uh, it's no surprise that he did actually end up getting fired from the uh, Tennessee job. So hopefully, you know he, he is a good coach. You know he did really decent at Tennessee minus the violations. Maybe that's why he did so well. Uh, give him a few years. He might become your next Steve Lavin, small, you know, mid, mid, not mid major, but mid tiered uh, major program might get thrown back in there and see what he can do. See if he learned his lesson. On Tuesday, NFL lockout could destroy the chicken wing industry. Bob, we've talked about it before about all the uh, collateral damage that this lockout is going to probably cause. The last thing I probably thought about was the chicken wing industry. There's a lot of different stuff going on in this world. Uh, Libya, we talked about the Japanese uh, earthquake, tsunami slash nuclear meltdown possibility. Uh, I know I like to eat chicken wings when sporting event, whether it be football, basketball, whatever. I'm kind of surprised. I, I guess I never looked at it that way, that, that it, the entire industry would be hit like that. Yeah, definitely a interesting repercussion to the NFL lockout. And and I've been kind of saying this from the get-go. I really feel like the lockout as a situation as a whole has a very, very macroeconomic effect in the United States. It's a lot more than just fans missing their football. So uh, um, I, I think the best thing that we could possibly hope for if we are people who possibly have steak and Tyson chicken um, is we could just hope that those guys just start writing letters faster and faster so that we can get this thing solved by pointing fingers through the word. I'm not worried about chicken wings. I'm worried about the entire shift of the man-woman control of the remote control on Sunday afternoon. It's it's watching the, it sets the movement back 20 years. Yeah. I know. ABC Family, that's what you're going to be watching. Uh, sweet Jesus on a biscuit. 
Also on Tuesday, NFL votes to change rules for kickoffs and replay. Matt. Okay, so the rule changes are um, the replay rule will start with every single scoring play the booth has the obligation to review whether or not they stop the game to review it or not. They will be reviewing it and have the opportunity to turn it over, turn over a scoring play at any point in the game. Uh, the other rule change that is uh, somewhat significant and has a lot of people, including Joshua Cribs from the Cleveland Browns upset, is that they are moving the kickoff from the 30-yard line, where it's been for the past 16 or 17 years, to the 35-yard line, which where which is where it was prior to 1994. The move, of course... Um, is is leveraged by the same thing that leverages everything in the NFL these days, other than money, um, is the potential for head injuries. And it seems as though they think that keep returning kicks is a higher potential for head injuries, which not really sure I buy that too much, just because it seems to me most of the devastating head blows that I saw in the past couple of years all revolved around passing plays, and I don't really see us doing anything to eliminate those in the NFL. Well, yeah, especially when you look at it, uh, that the president at the time pretty much told the NFL that you needed to change something to create the forward pass. And ever since their intervention from the White House, we've seen the, the game revolutionized to this wide open sort of basketball on turf type uh, analogy. And... Uh, <laughs> I love, you know, how how many times do you get the thrill of sitting back watching a kickoff with the possibility of someone taking it back, whether it be Josh Cribbs, Dante Hall, uh, Devin Hester, you, you, these guys. I want, I don't want to say they're having their livelihood taken away, but just wait to see how many people, special teamers, who have survived so many years with whether it be just the returns or the people who will make the tackles, just become obsolete. They're going the way of the H-back or the fullback if, 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 if they don't change this again already. I don't, I don't, it's just a weird ruling. Yeah, I, and I, I think people like Devin Hester and Josh Cribbs definitely have to be glad they get, that they got paid when they did. Because I don't see those types of fat paychecks being sent out to return men who are going to be paid handsomely for putting their knee to the ground in the end zone on a weekly basis. I kind of take exception a little bit to what you said before. I think kickoffs and punt returns are the only place in the game where you've got an entire group of guys getting the entire field's momentum to go against somebody else. In, during pass plays, you've got the defender and the offensive player moving in the same direction. Um, and even though you've got a secondary back there, they don't have as much of the field to gain that momentum to hit as hard. So I've actually um, seen some of the... ESPN science and those types of uh, shows on it, and they're actually saying that there's definitely a higher uh, propensity for injury on, on kickoffs. Yeah. The raw numbers are, are, aren't there, though. I mean, yeah, I, I would say that you're probably right that there is a higher propensity. And, and to be fair, they did limit – one thing we didn't mention is they did limit the amount of run-up time that the, uh, the coverage team has. They used to be able to run for 10 yards before the kickoff. Now it's been reduced down to five. So the amount of momentum they have building up is, isn't, uh, isn't quite there, which, hey, maybe that means that we'll get a few more kickoff returns than we expected. But So overall, that's reduced their run by 10 yards, right? Because they can only run up five yards, and they, they're five yards closer now because it's, they've moved 
So ultimately, they've taken 10 yards of the field away from them to build momentum up. I see that as a good thing. Didn't they also change the touchback rule? No. No, they, okay. They were, that was a part of the original proposal, but they nixed it. On Wednesday, Chad Ochocinco begins MLS tryout with Sporting KC. So this might be the future of our uh, NFL athletes if they uh, don't (laughs) make up with the owners soon enough. Uh, If you paid attention to ESPN, they had a a link that you could watch him play. uh, And then they also wrote a blog about it. It's day of the uh, first uh, tryouts with the Sporting KC team. If you actually read the little article, it talks about how fundamentals are there. You know, he has a decent first touch. He, he, he can dribble the ball, but some of the finer things that uh, the fact that he hasn't played since his sophomore year of high school, like crossing patterns, actual striking the ball on goal, these things definitely aren't there for him. Uh, kind of cool concept, we talked about it previously, but it, it's highly unlikely that he uh, gets to, to, to stay on, to get, catches on and actually plays which we really didn't expect much of it, did we? No, not really. Um, you know, I think uh, I think athletes have a have a uh, tendency to overvalue their athletic ability when it comes to playing other games. I've seen I've seen instances where um, I believe it was Brandon Marshall said that he was going to go play basketball if there was a lockout, which is ironic because it doesn't look like basketball is going to happen. Um, so, so I, I, I think it's pretty common that athletes think they could just cross sports pretty easily. They don't necessarily realize all the fine tuning and, and and skillmanship that's involved with each of the individual games. But uh, one of the side effects, of course, to Ocho Cinco's tryout um, in Major League Soccer was that uh, some there were some comments made by uh, Coach Marvin Lewis about, uh, I don't know, I guess the ridiculousness of it, while um, Lewis tends or continues to be silent on the Carson Palmer situation, which has led Ocho Cinco as well as a lot of other national media outlets to uh, uh, point a finger towards the double standard that Coach Lewis is is, uh, putting forth. And I think it also points to um, Chad Ocho Cinco maybe has a better chance of playing ongoing in Major League Soccer than he does playing ongoing with the Cincinnati Bengals. And rounding the week off on Wednesday, Dallas Cowboys' Des Bryant gets criminal trespass warning? Gets criminal trespass warning. Yeah, this is bizarre. I guess Des Bryant was in an upscale Dallas shopping mall, and um, some folks in the mall had a little bit of an issue with the level at which his waistline was... Um, dropping as far as his pants were concerned. Um, He was eventually kicked out and escorted out of the mall, at which point in time he engaged in some abusive language with with some security guards and uh, eventually with some police officers. So um, interesting little circumstance here, but Des Bryant, uh, not a stranger for trouble, although it has been some time, has, uh, has found himself in some hot water again over something that appears to me to be incredibly stupid. Honestly, you go out in public, there's a certain, uh, I don't know, way to act, I guess, a way to, to present yourself, especially if you're a uh, celebrity, entertainer, athlete. Um, they, they tend to not really follow this at all. 
they they kind of go and do whatever they want. He he says also in the article that it wasn't him. It was the the buddies that he was hanging out with. Well, uh, unfortunately for him, you are the company that you keep. So if they're doing it, yeah, you might not be doing that, but you, that's who you're representing yourself with. So I don't think he really has too much room to say much. All I got to say is pull your pants up, homeboy. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Okay, guys, make sure you tune in for the Sports... Sports? Sports Make sure you tune in for the Sports on Point podcast weekly edition. This week we are going to be spending... A fair amount of time giving you everything you need to know about the upcoming season of Major League Baseball. Make sure you tune in. That's everything you need to know. Everything. Including jack sizes.